Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. In this episode, creative director Scott Jenkins has an inspirational and thought-provoking conversation with Mark Donovan, founder of Denver Basic Income Project. So Scott, before we jump in, why don't you share with us how this particular interview relates to your work with Celtic Way? Good question. Celtic Way operates under what we call these four guiding lights, inclusivity, equality, the positive self-image that we receive from a strong belief that we are all, and I mean all people are created in the image of God. And lastly, there is this thing that we hold dear. It's called our faith in an evolving faith posture. That's important to me because I don't want people to think that we're tied into some literalist interpretation of the Bible, or somehow we stand in a tradition that doesn't receive what we learn from sciences and sociologists as important to how we respond to the gospel. When we say we believe in an evolving faith, we're very concerned that our spirituality concretely meets the needs of humanitarian and ecological issues facing our culture today. I really believe that Mark's vision in the redistribution of wealth and just helping people get to a place where they can help themselves just fits us like a glove. I'm really proud to be part of what Mark's doing. So I'm just happy. I feel privileged to have you here today, Mark. And let's just dive into the whole big picture of what is the Denver Basic Income Project. Give me the big picture view from 30,000 feet. Well, thank you, Scott. It's it's an honor to be here. The big picture is that people are suffering. And we have a society that is built on foundations of injustice and inequality. And the big picture is is trying to correct some of that and help our brothers and sisters who are in great need to step up and to have a, a chance, a fair chance to, to live a good life. Nothing fancy, nothing special, just to provide some dignity and respect for everybody that is within our community and to acknowledge the unfairness of the structures that have created the results that we face. And so this is an attempt to write some of that and to have an immediate impact today. And you've already began to experience that in your own life and what you've been doing for people so far. And now you're taking it on a a much bigger and bigger scale. Let's get into a little bit about the nuts and bolts. If somebody were to say to me, what specifically do you have in mind and exactly how do you see this as making a difference? I think most people can understand themselves what $1,000 a month, what kind of difference that would make in their life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when a large percentage of the population can't handle a $400 emergency, you're living on the edge of catastrophe. And that's fear creates mental debilitation. It makes it hard for you to function at your highest level when you're constantly worried about tomorrow and being able to put food on the table or being able to even have a house over your head. So for 
most of this country and much of the world a small amount of money and a thousand dollars not a small amount of money right make all of the difference in the world between suffering and struggling and just being able to exist with a, a level of comfort and dignity so what we're doing with the denver basic income project is to deliver a thousand dollars to individuals that are selected randomly from a pool of potential participants. We are the first city in the country to actually do a program like this at any scale, specifically for individuals who are unhoused. And so there's a lot happening around the country right now with other pilots basic income, guaranteed basic income projects like the SEED project in Stockton, California, Compton Pledge. They're happening all over. When you face people like what my first response was, you know, grew up in this radically individualized nation of you get what you work for and you don't get something for nothing, you know, is that that work ethic I grew up with? Obviously, that's that's not working. I'm not trying to support that. But this vibe about we've got to earn our way. What do you say to folks about that? The first thing I say is there's just value and dignity in being a human. And yeah. so this framing of worth that is built around what we do just doesn't make sense to me. We have to honor the, the dignity of each individual. So that's the first thing I say. And then the things that we've been doing with all the rules and, and means testing and hoops to jump through just don't seem to be having the results that we hope. And let's hold everybody to the same standard. When we give these tax breaks to the wealthy, do we hold them to the same standard to utilize it in a specific way? Do we put some kind of requirements or tests on it? If, if they spend it on drugs and alcohol, do we comment on it? What I would say is that there's a basic floor that is a right for everybody, every individual to have. And that includes a right for healthcare, I believe a right for housing and yeah. a basic income so that we don't leave individuals that are disadvantaged or disenfranchised or just down on their luck for whatever reason on the street to die. A basic humanity that a, a society that has the type of wealth and the type of resources we have is able to provide. And so poverty is essentially a political and a societal choice. And well, let's choose not to, to go down that path. The system's broken. Can I say that out loud? I mean, it feels to me like the system is just broken. We all know we can do better. And, you know, it's not going to get easier. That's the reality. Climate change is, we're in denial about climate change. And so the impact of that is going to create more suffering on communities that are already disenfranchised and struggling. You have automation, which is going to create wholesale loss of jobs. And so if we don't address these head on proactively, then we're gonna be reacting to suffering and, and strife and other huge challenges with unrest. So to me, this is important to do just in and of itself, but it's, it's going to become more important as each year passes. I really enjoyed hearing about all the local social service agencies that are involved in this. And then people ask me, well, where does Mark find the people who are going to receive this money? Can you talk a little bit about that? I think this is a key thing. 
We do. We have amazing partners already in the project, and we're expanding them as we speak. There's so many organizations that are on the ground doing the hard work to support people in need. Everybody is out there working hard, and what we're trying to do is not at all replace the work that they're doing. We're trying to just supplement it and accelerate it and amplify it and enhance it. Having that foundation under the work that they're doing just is is potentially transformative. And so that's amazing. And so these partners are the ones who have the trust and the relationships with the people that they're serving. And that's why we are working hand in hand with them to have them recruit and screen and select potential recipients for for this program. And they'll also be actively a point uh, of contact during the program. Their role is critical. That's what makes it really work and really healthy for me is that you had the wisdom enough to really come into the city and use the resources that exist. That's just great. What we're saying now to the community is, here's just another way that we can add on additional support and and help these individuals in need. And that's where we are reaching out to the community at large and saying, help, whether it's with a small contribution of $5 or whatever it is you can do financially or with just a way to show respect for our neighbors that you run into in the street and not to judge or look down upon them, but treat them with the same respect that you'd expect anybody to treat you with. I get asked quite a bit, speaking of funding, like where are your funding sources? What are all the tributaries that flow into this life-giving river? Where do they come from? Well, again, we're, we're going to ask the community at large to step up and contribute and support this work. We're going to ask businesses to step up and be a part of this. The foundations, both locally and hopefully nationally, will contribute. Anybody that's interested in this work, again, as a, a piloting effort, a groundbreaking effort to, to do this for the first time in the U.S., we're hoping that it's also of interest to foundations uh, both large and small across the nation. And many of, of these large philanthropic organizations are rethinking how they do their work because a lot of the money that's been spent hasn't had the intended outcomes. And so this is, again, a very simple way to deploy money in a very direct way that we know has immediate and powerful and positive impact. Where does this great compassion, this yearning to help and transform others, where does that come from? Where did that begin? It's hard to say. I, I think my parents played a big role in that, just showing a, a model for kindness and for passion, for honesty, for showing respect to everybody that you, you meet. I think I've also just learned over time that things are better personally for myself. When I'm nice to other people and I treat people with respect and kindness, it comes back to me twofold, threefold, tenfold. And so my life is just better as a result of behaving this way. You know, I worked hard for 15 years running my business before I even started to make some money. And when I finally did start to figure out how to make some money and I had some extra resources that I wanted to invest, I I was always trying to figure out how to invest them in causes or enterprises that were values aligned with me. And I found it really hard to do. Um, First, I was taking the easy path of putting things into mutual funds. And when you kind of dig in a little bit, you find there's a lot of things in there that you really don't 
feel comfortable supporting. And so then I sought out some sustainable investing advisors. And at the same time, I still wasn't getting quite what I was looking for. And so ultimately, I decided to put a lot of my investable worth into Tesla because I felt like Elon Musk was somebody who I really believed in was moving the needle for climate change and for sustainable transportation. And I decided I'm going to put my money behind that because if he goes down, I'll go with him. And so last year, an amazing thing happened. COVID hits, people are losing their jobs, they're losing their sources of, of income, they're going into really, really hard situations. And at the same time, Tesla goes up by a thousand percent. The value of Tesla grows by $700 billion. Wealth is being created on a huge scale while hundreds of thousands of people are facing increasingly challenging, difficult situations. And so I just decided I'm going to take those gains, some of those gains, and do something immediate with it. And that's when I started giving out uh, $12,000 a month grants to individuals I knew that were had been impacted by that. And, you know, that impacted me really profoundly. Um, it, I just saw, wow, this is immediate. I wasn't getting any tax benefit. I just decided I'm going to act now, today. I'm not going to wait another day. I'm not going to ask anybody for permission. I'm not going to look for any kind of support. I can do this myself in the moment. And then from that, I was so profoundly uh, uplifted that I wanted to continue it into 2021. And I reached out to people like Jeff Johnson of Mile High Ministries and Colt Chandler of the Colorado Village Collaborative. And I said, help me find some individuals who are really could benefit from this that are in greater need than the people that I'm working with so far. And they did that. And as a result of those conversations, I remember we were at Claire Brown Commons. And again, we just looked around and we thought, what if everybody here had basic income? What would that do? And so that led us to think, well, let's try. Let's try to make that happen. And so I challenged Jeff. So let's let's see if we can, you know, think about this. Would you be willing to do this? I said, I said to him on the spot, I said, if you if you will do this, I will fund it. And he wasn't <laughs> sure. You know, this is all new. He wasn't, you know, he wanted to think about it. And he's very right. thoughtful. Yeah. He's been a great mentor of mine in the short time that we've been connected. And so we started to talk and walk and think about how we could expand this. And it's just kind of gained momentum very quickly. It's been one of the most rewarding things I've done in my entire life. Following what you just said, do you have a couple of personal experiences that you can really focus on? Sure. Right now, I'm providing $1,000 monthly grants to 10 individuals for the year of 2021. But I also have a friend who, he was one of three black kids in a predominantly white high school that I went to. We played football together and we developed a friendship as you do in sports. And we um, stayed in touch through the years, but haven't seen him in 25 years. He posted about three weeks ago on Facebook. First, the first post was prayers. And then the second post was homeless prayers. Mm. This is somebody who served in the army for eight years, got a bachelor's degree, got a master's in public administration, mm -hmm. served in the, in the transportation department in Florida, in Georgia, has one of the kindest hearts of anybody you would know. But, you know, as a, a black man in America, 
you just face challenge after challenge and ceilings and doors closing and COVID hit. He lost his job. He had got behind on payments. He couldn't catch up. Eventually was evicted and he was on the street in his car. And after that message on that Saturday, when I reached him, he had given up. And, you know, I was able to just talk to him and ask him what it was, what he needed immediately. And he had a certain amount of housing debt and he had some auto debt and he had some tickets and things. And he just had no way to, to get out of that hole. And he was done. And, and it was also layered with the reality of watching the last year of all of these shootings and his brothers getting shot in the street and he just he'd lost all hope and so i said to him look don't give up i'm going to get you in a, a motel room for the night for the next two nights over the weekend and then on monday i'm going to send you the money to cover this and we're going to get you back on track you know it wasn't easy to accept that but i said to him that, that i believed him in, in him and i trusted him and his first reaction and this is true of, of everybody I've been working with. Everyone's reaction is, I'm going to help others with this. I'm going to give it back. Like They want to immediately turn and start supporting others. And I said to him, I said, no. you need to take care of yourself. You've been through trauma. You were at the edge of giving up. Stop thinking about others for a little bit and take some time for yourself. Individuals that have suffered the most are always the most generous. You know, that got him back on his feet and he has hope again and he is sees a path towards a better future the, the reality of being a black man in america hasn't changed for him and so it's not going to be an easy path even a, a modest income floor helps but it doesn't correct all of these wrongs that he faces and all these challenges and so there's still huge problems to be solved but again, this is, this is one really powerful step that at least shows individuals that we, we trust them, we respect them, and we think that they have the ability to decide what's needed in their life, that we don't need to, to dictate or control what that is. We can give them some cash and with no strings attached unconditionally. And all of the studies that we're seeing so far are proving that what people do is predominantly spending on food, paying down bills, fixing the car, paying for rent. The basics and you know the other side of this is that when you when you do that that's a stimulant for the economy True. so this idea of like you know how are we going to pay for it is always the, the question it's unsustainable it's absurd it's totally sustainable and actually it would be a huge investment in people and in the economy so this is a program and a concept that can transcend to traditional political divides and can appeal to people with many different perspectives. And that's one of the things I love about it the most, because it can be unifying and we need unity right now. Desperately, right? Yeah. Yeah. Share with you a comment that my wife said, because we've always given to churches and nonprofits that we believe in. And she said to me, this is the first time I feel like I'm going to give $5 and that $5 or $10 or $100 is going to go right into a person's life. Yes. You know? I, love and, I love that. And the thing I'd say is you can do that directly without even coming through the Denver Basic Income Project. True. You can hand something down the street, $5, $10, $100, right. and it's going to have the same impact. Right. 
And I used to not do that. And I do that when I'm on the street now. You know, I, I was raised at a different time, too, with lots of judgments and, and ideas about the reasons why people are on the street or homeless or struggling. You know, a large number of people that are on the street in Denver are fleeing domestic violence. Right. One of the greatest causes of homelessness is the lack of affordable housing. Everybody would just do that every day, give where they can. It doesn't have to be through an organization. That's part of my message is just do it. Don't wait for anything else. Just do it now. It's going to make a difference. You'll feel it. You'll see it. You'll know it. It's great. I teach a couple classes every week online and have talked extensively about this project. And people are just, oh, they're just taken back and they become excited. Now I'm getting emails and this is going to spread. I really believe that. I hope so. I believe that too, just based on how much everybody that we talk to immediately says, yes, let's do this together. And that's so we're trying to just find ways to bring everybody in, everybody that, that wants to, to get involved and, and let them contribute in whatever way they can. And together, we can really create a really powerful impact in Denver. Create that reality that we all, I think, are so longing for, that we all feel is missing, that there's just something's wrong and we know that there's a way to fix it. And this feels like a good step in that direction. So I thank anybody that joins us in this effort. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Celtic Wave podcast and special thanks to Mark Donovan for joining this episode. If you'd like to join Mark in his efforts against homelessness, be sure to go to denverbasicincomeproject.org. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe, give it an honest rating and a review. This is the best way to get the podcast in front of as many people as possible. Visit our website at CelticWay.org and subscribe to our updates. While you're there, please consider becoming a sustainable donor so that the message of Celtic Way can continue to influence the world today. Also, like us on Facebook at Celtic Way Colorado.